the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. How are you? We made it through another week. I have a PlayStation VR headset sitting next to me, oddly enough. How'd that happen? Well, I went and podcasted with Bob Mackie, and we did a, a really neat Gundam discussion for their What a Cartoon Ooh. podcast, so you should go check that out. But Bob was like, do you want your PlayStation VR back? <laughs> Oh, yeah. That and thing. I was like, do I have to? And he's like, yes. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> like, do I have to? Do I have to take this back? All right. Yeah. So it's sitting yes. at my table now. Uh, I'm a little excited to play Tetris Effect in it. Yes. Yes. You should be excited for that. And I hear um, Astrobot's really good. Yeah. Ast- is it Astrobot or Astroboy? No, Astroboy's a cartoon. Astrobot. Astro cartoon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 It has some nice little platformers, but I don't know if we're ever going to get a really good RPG out of it. No, I, I can't see how they would. Um, I'm sure someone could come up with it, someone who's much smarter and more creative than myself, but uh, it's not happening anytime soon, that's all I know. You would think that VR being a immersive uh, medium or immersive hardware would go well with role-playing, which is all about immersion. But actually, when you're role-playing, when you're playing a lot of role-playing games, you're not necessarily role-playing. You're spending a lot of time obsessing over stats Mm-hmm. Uh, character builds and everything, and I don't think you want to do that in a sensory deprivation chamber. Oh, that would be kind of scary. Although, uh, there is Skyrim VR, which is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, is it? It made me kind of nauseated. Yeah, I didn't even want I don't even want to try it because I'm scared to. I get, I get nauseous very easily with that sort of thing. I feel like VR is one of those... It's either for hobbyists who are playing in extreme, like... I have built the ultimate, v- the ultimate rig and the coup de grace is an HTC Vive, not a PlayStation VR. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty much. Anyway, as always, thanks for listening to the show. A little bit of housekeeping. If you want to reach us, you can reach me at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or tweet at me at the underscore catbot, Nadia's at Nadia Oxford. We like to read letters on the show, usually at the end of the show. And if you want to be included in that, leave a comment in the show notes on the site. Or send me a Twitter DM. You can reach me either way, and I would love to hear your feedback. A little later, we will be talking about the RPGs we lost in the Wii Shop closure and where we can find them and some of the RPGs that are sadly no longer with us or basically impossible to find outside of a ROM. So we'll diving into that. No Top 25 RPG segment. Again, unfortunately, it keeps getting pushed back, but... I swear that next week we really are going to be on track with this because we're actually running out of time because we're only like <laughs> we seven. We kind of are, aren't we? We're actually only about seven episodes away from episode 200, and I want to wrap this up before then. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Important. So, all right, Nadia, but before we get to all of that, let's talk about what happened on the website. Right now, at the top of US Gamer is my favorite, one of my favorite headlines from you recently. Oh God, it can walk now. The evolution of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate's Piranha Plant. Yes. The, the, <laughs> first of all, that headline, uh, we, I kind of freaked out Matt, who was checking it over for me because he thought it said, oh, you know, oh my God, it can talk now. He's like, Piranha Plant can talk? And I just kind of started quoting Little Shop of Horrors, which I don't think anyone got because I'm oh. old and they're not. No, it's famous. It's a play and a movie. Don't yeah, high school theater productions still do that? They did it at our school. So. Yeah. Did they? Oh, yeah. I, my school did Disney's Robin Hood. Like, I, I always just imagine the piranha plant being like, blah, 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 I describe it as uh, the piranha plant, uh, among other things. I describe it as um, when I was a groomer, there was one thing you wouldn't do, and that was take a chihuahua away from an owner's arms. Because an owner would hand you a chihuahua and say, here you go. And you would say, no, I am not touching that. Because the second you touch a chihuahua that's in its owner's arms, it will slash at you. And it looks like that piranha plant gif going around. The one you tweeted that goes, it's exactly what it looks like. 
another article that went up. It was the Silent Hills 20th anniversary this week, and we got one of its producers, Tom Hewlett, to write a guest post. And he, he's got a lot of interesting insight into why the original game worked so well because he was a he was a super fan before he went to work on the series, and I think he got a lot of unjustified flack for unfortunately for a lot of decisions that he didn't really mm-hmm. have a hand in uh, that were kind of forced upon him, as it were. And yeah, he, that's, that's too bad. Yeah, and he writes a little bit about uh, some of his dealings with executives, including one who told them, quote, Silent, we, people don't play Silent Hill for the story. The story is shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then they suggested, I think, that they put Silent Hill in, like, Alaska. <laughs> yeah. So that was a thing. Go check out the set. Go check out the article. It's really good. It's over on the site. It's really long. And it's not just a tell-all. It's a really nice retrospective of the game. It's excellent, it actually. I'm really happy to have this on the site. Um, reports, Nadia, of a Switch revision. Yes. Uh, I estimated that might happen in 2019. And uh, basically, if you look at the, the latest uh, sales numbers for Nintendo, it looks like the 3DS numbers are way the hell down. So, yeah, it, it behooves them to make a, a, more, a smaller, more nimbler Switch. And yet, at the same time, the Switch is still selling extremely well. Ridiculously well, actually. Yeah, yeah, but they probably want to fill in that 3DS gap. Last I checked, the Switch was actually selling faster than the Wii was at its peak. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's actually... Not only is that really good for obvious reasons, but also because uh, the Switch... Sorry, the Nintendo Wii, it had its charms for sure, and it had some great games, but it did not have the library that the Switch does, not by a long shot. Yeah, I go back to the Wii though sometimes, and I'm I'm a little surprised at how the, it has a surprisingly good collection selection. I'll say that much. It does. Like any any system that gives you uh, Xenoblade is okay with me. <laughs> I I didn't think of it at the time because the games came out so slowly, and there was such a torrent of crap. There really was. You'd be going to Walmart, and you would see Carnival games, right? And Carnival it, games. And it completely belied the stuff that was coming out of Vanillaware and games like Xenoblade, which. We're all but ignored, which is kind of unfortunate. But if you look at it now, it's, it's a tidy collection. Uh, it really is. I got rid of my Wii a long time ago. I still have a Wii U. Mm-hmm. Uh, that includes a Wii shell. But we'll get back. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but as for the Switch revision, uh, if they're emphasizing portability, I don't know if I want to actually get it. No, I don't know if I would either. I mean, the only reason I would really get another Switch is because, number one, it might be nice for my husband to have his own, since we kind of share one. And, of course, the first one would be mine. That's just the way it works here. And, uh, number two, I am having that notorious sort of uh, left Joy-Con problem with the drifting. Yeah, I actually had a problem with my Switch's Joy-Con, which is a launch Switch. Yeah, Where same. the, it, yeah, it was totally drifting, Huge, mm-hmm. huge amounts of drift with the the the, the thumbstick to the point where I couldn't yes. use it anymore. Yeah, it's it's not that bad for me yet, but it is getting pretty bad. And I'm uh, thinking, well, okay, I guess I would. I even before the if we do get a switch revision, I would have to replace it because it's just uh, not acceptable. Ordinarily, though, I usually go for versions that are bigger than the previous version and have better screens. Oh, okay. If this, yeah, if this is a smaller switch, you're not going to get a better screen. Screen, probably not. Yeah. So I don't want a smaller switch. Actually, I like how big the screen is. I think that's a big selling point for me. And mm-hmm. I'm not too fussed about the portability because I don't usually break it out on a bus. If I break yeah, it out, same. it's usually on an airplane or while I'm hanging out in bed, and and there it's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's, you're not getting jostled around by a bunch of backpacks. People are couldn't be arsed to take off. I'd be too afraid to take it out on the bus because I would be Me convinced too. that it would just be straight up snagged right away. <laughs> just yoinked. Either that or on the bus. But I, I wasn't, I was much more comfortable doing, pulling out the 3DS, say, on mm-hmm. a, a subway or something. So maybe in that regard, for people who want to play on a bus, the having a smaller switch would be good. Yeah. Um, but I feel like even no matter what happens, the, uh, the 3DS is just such a hardy system that if, you know, the worst could happen to it on a bus and nothing is not going to phase you or it. I could see a situation in which they don't, they sell it sans dock. And yes. what you can do is if you have a dock already, uh, you can plug it into, uh, you know, an HDMI cable or something that is in the dock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would be a pretty smart move. Or, no, wait. 
Oh, they would have to find some way to do it. I'm not actually sure how they could do it. Oh, wait, there is an HDMI. I don't know. I'm just talking. <laughs> I'm just rambling. People are going, what the like, heck is she even talking about? No, I was thinking you're talking about, okay, um, if you want a second Switch, you know, okay, here's a, you know, here's a smaller one you could buy for cheaper. Well, it has an you- external USB, so you could theoretically charge it through that. Oh, yeah, easily. Uh, I have an extra AC adapter like that I use for when I go, when I travel. Well, the point of the Switch is that you can you can put it in the dock and it it outputs to the TV. So they got to have it be able to work with the dock somehow. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Nintendo has a plan, I'm sure. They have a plan, Arthur. <laughs> Tahiti! <laughs> Tahiti. Mangoes from Tahiti. Uh, a few other things. Uh, another great headline from you. AI-powered mod makes FF7's graphics as smooth as Sephiroth's butt. And you said in Slack, it's really smooth. <laughs> I, okay, here's the thing. I, I was bullshitting that headline, of course, but then I could decide, okay, what if I Google Sephiroth's butt? And so I just kind of started sharing images on on my the, on uh, Discord with my friends. And my friend, who was like a major Sephiroth fangirl back in the day, was like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of naked Sephiroth I was going to say, you're probably going to find there. a lot of porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not, maybe, maybe, <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. Uh, a couple and a couple final RPG related headlines. Persona Q two is coming to the West. Nadia, are you excited? Um, I think so. This is basically you're talking about like I'm still a little bit unsure about what Persona Q is all about. Is that the Labyrinth series? Yes, that's Etrian Odyssey, but it's Persona. Okay, I'm excited because I generally like Etrian Odyssey and it's Persona, so it's hard to go wrong. You're playing Nexus right now, right? I'm playing Nexus, yes, and uh, like I said to to Parish, uh, smooth jazz confirmed. So you're going to have to kill me, though, if I ask you how it is, because it's embargoed still. It's still embargoed, I'm sorry. <sighs> sorry. And uh, well, I'm excited about Persona Q2, because while I like Etrian Odyssey, um, it always starts to wear thin on me by about the third strata or so, mm-hmm. where because it just doesn't have any story. And I know no, I've said really. in the past that... Uh, I've said in the past that an RPG doesn't need a good story to really be amazing, but I will say that if it doesn't have a good story, it has to be really amazing <laughs> to yeah. carry it. Otherwise, <laughs> because if, then if you have Jeremy to really hears this, he's going to kill us. You have to really fill in the gaps, right? Whereas mm-hmm. a great story can elevate um, an otherwise just okay RPG. Yeah, although I do like how Etrian Odyssey really has that classic D&D feel while having sure. that really good, but strong, But classic D&D had narrative. storytelling. Hey, okay, I see where you're coming from. Uh, you, you do get some, like, discussion between your party members, and you do get some discussion with townspeople. But yeah, like, as for a uh, an actual, like, okay, narrative, you're not going to get much of that with Etrian Odyssey. No, you're going to get nothing. You're going to get basically no narrative with Etrian <laughs> Odyssey, but... It's really just a straight-up old-school dungeon crawler, which is fine. And it's actually a very good game, uh, really challenging. Very. And getting finding the right classes, getting the right party composition is extremely rewarding. But because it doesn't... Well, the core games don't have a story. It's I find it harder to push on. Of course, there's the Etrian Odyssey Untold games, which do have a story. And then there's the Persona Q which had a story. Persona Q was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever get around to trying it out? No, I didn't. I think the thing with Persona Q was that certain characters were just really overpowered. So once you found, <laughs> once you put together that party composition, um, so Naoto from Persona 4, extremely mm. OP. Because she had the insta-kill attacks, and of just course, being yeah. able to bust those out was super great. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, Persona Q2 will have the Persona 5 characters. Yes, uh, Persona 3, 4, and 5. Yes. So, uh, I mean, Persona Q had great music. I, I, I found the art style really charming. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fun going through the the labyrinths and having a little bit of a story. It I, I liked the way that they kind of merged in the school festival aspect to it. Had a really great opening. Uh, had a really great opening cutscene. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be picking up and playing it for sure. I don't. Oh, I never yeah, got around too. to finishing Persona Q, and the fact that it's on 3DS will probably make it a little me a little less likely to actually get through it. But 
Uh, yeah, still good old Atlas for just you know good on Atlas for just supporting the 3DS till it just. Oh, died. they'll keep pushing games out for for a while. It's like yeah. the PS2. I mean, the 3DS 3DS has such a large uh, install base, you know, and plenty of people are still playing it. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm still playing mine again with Etrian Odyssey, and also like we discussed last week, Bowser's Inside Story. I think I turned my Vita on. Uh, I turned on my Vita more recently than I've turned on oh my, my 3DS. God. In fact, you have uh, to, like reset the clock. Super Robot Wars. Uh, the most ro- Super Robot Wars V was the most played, my third most played game for 2018. So, and I played that exclusively on the Vita. So, I, I have a question to put to you, Nadia. Mm-hmm. Can Fallout 76 be saved? Oh, we just we just leaped right into that, didn't we? Um, <laughs> yes. I you know what. If No Man's Sky can be saved, I, I don't see why Fallout 76 can't be. But it's such a with No Man's Sky, it was more a matter of, okay, we have to add content. Okay, we're good. Uh, Fallout no Man's 76. Sky, they had to really overhaul a lot of aspects of it. Uh, adding yeah. stuff like base building and such, that wasn't there in the box. No, no, they had to add stuff to it. But Fallout 76 just seems like the whole thing is buggy down to the core. I mean, it's Bethesda, let's face it. Well, my understanding is that it started out as a multiplayer mode for Fallout 4 that got spun off into a, a different game. Mm, and okay i think no man's sky had a roadmap almost from the start to That's be able true. to build bases and such i as i recall not long after it came out they were already starting to talk about that kind of stuff and yeah you know they made good on it and they catered to a community that kind of rallied around it in the same way as Fallout 76 and then they put out big updates periodically right and Mm -hmm. it felt like they were always making steps forward but the reason i i brought this up was because they just put out this giant patch and it seems as if they rolled it back to an earlier game because older bugs were reappearing (laughs) that had been fixed previously and fans were like what the f Uh, right for example uh bobby pins were too heavy (laughs) that's hilarious like the idea of bobby pins having weight all of a sudden bobby pins People's uh, inventories were overloaded by a huge amount because of bobby pins. And so <laughs> fans were just like, "I'm screw this, I'm out. And it's just, if this is what's going to happen, if when you whenever you put out a pout patch, I don't know how you can continue to make for, forward progress. No, you're right, because uh, as you said, um, No Man's Sky, they did have the updates, they did have the, the roadmap uh I just haven't seen enormous strides from Bethesda indicating that they're really, uh, I don't want to say not taking this seriously, but just prepared to do what it takes to really get uh, Fallout 76 on track versus just kind of saying, okay, well, uh, let's work on our other stuff now. I think that Bethesda probably has a very dedicated uh, team working on this. And Mm -hmm. uh, by all accounts, their community manager has been really good about communicating with the communi- community right. and telling them what's up and explaining what's going on, etc. right? Um, but I think it takes more than just a hardworking team. You have to have mm. real vision and a roadmap, and you can't just be putting out fires. You have to be able to placate the community by being able to say, this is a plan. This is what we're yes. doing. We have stuff to look forward to. Hang in there. Because... If they are only just going to be putting out fires for the next few months, then eventually people are just going to drop out. People aren't going to stick around. No, there's, there's nothing to stick around for if they're not adding anything substantial to the game. Yeah, I mean, it's only been a few months since it came out, but I'm, I'm not getting a clear idea of what they want to do with this game. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, uh, as you mentioned, that dedicated team working on the game... I just wonder if they're getting the communication and support they need from the upper levels to to really get this going. Yeah, I, there was a pe- clear path forward with No Man's Sky. It yes, was, there was. We're base building, and we'll go from there. And here it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do aside from add stuff to your cosmetic store? <laughs> add more, <laughs> add more enemies to kill. I, I don't know. It's like the game itself isn't that good. It's actually pretty bad. Hopefully, Anthem. Hopefully, the same fate doesn't befall Anthem. I don't think it will actually i wrote about anthem's end game today so you can go check it out over on the site um bethesda was so keen or not ea was so keen 
to kind of avoid the Star Wars The Old Republic Where's the Endgame content stuff that they mm-hmm. showed it to the press early. Oh, wow. Just uh, here, here you go. Yeah, here, try out these Endgame dungeons and these Endgame contracts and such. I'm dying. Doesn't matter. You're having fun. And this goes back to what I was kind of expressing concern about last week, which was that I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that there's enough ownership over the uh, the actual characters. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, go check out the article over on the site. Uh, we're going to have a lot more Anthem coverage over the next couple of weeks. I've been roped into reviewing it, unfortunately. <laughs> you got suckered into it. Yeah, well, February 15th is actually insanely busy. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think why that why that date sounds so familiar to me, other than it's the day after Valentine's Day. Well, on February 15th, uh, Far Cry New Dawn comes out. That's right. Uh, Metro Exodus is going to be coming out around that time. Uh, Anthem will be entering its early release access because, of course, and that's mm-hmm. how EA always does it. They always give early access to order people. Yeah, the insane flowchart. So, yeah, that's how I ended up getting roped into reviewing Anthem. So, <laughs> yeah, I could sound really excited, don't I? I hope the story <laughs> is better than it looks. Because the story does not look good. Though you might be pleasantly surprised. I am open. I am leaving the door open to being pleasantly surprised, Nadia. Good. Good, you should. Who knows? I, I think you'll have fun at the end of the day. Okay, Nadia, it's time for our our main topic. Last week, the Wii Shop closed and closed the Virtual Console with it. If you did not get the various games that were associated with it, they are no longer available for download, which is kind of a tragedy because we used to complain a lot about Virtual Console back in 2006, or at least Jeremy did. But I did too. If you go and look through the entire list of games, it's quite a remarkable list, actually. With stuff from ranging from Commodore 64 to Sega Genesis to PC Engine to, of course, the Nintendo Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64. It was a really, compared to certainly what came after it, it was a mm-hmm. remarkable library. It really was. And even though Japan still got far better than we did in terms of uh, selection of games, uh, looking back on it, because we'll be talking, I'm sure, about the piece I wrote about it, um, it's just depressing because... It's like the song says, you don't know what you've got till it's gone, and it's gone. Yeah. Well, I knew what I had. I remember, it's hard for people to imagine now, but in 2006, when I got a Switch, or a Wii, sorry, when I got a Wii, it was really cool being able to download these ROMs from the the eShop, and people were like, why wouldn't you get the ROM and play it on an emulator? Much like the whole Raspberry Pi thing and i was like well maybe i want to pay maybe i want to buy a legitimate copy you know yeah and i have it on my console and i liked the wii controller and yes it was an easy way to revisit games like super metroid and super mario brothers for the first time at that time those games were available like practically nowhere else right so yeah yeah it was very exciting at the time what were your thoughts at that time um I guess when I look back, I, yeah, I was always kind of mad about the the squander potential. Like, I feel like we should have had more games in the vein of Rondo of Blood, where it's like, okay, you guys didn't get this game, so here it is to download for the first time, localized and translated. Um, but, yeah, he, the thing I remember that's so impressive about the Virtual Console for myself is there was sort of an alternative to it, and that was through the Game Boy Advance had that Nintendo Classics lineup. And in, even then, you were paying, like, practically full GBA price for a game that was in lower resolution, a Nintendo game that was at lower resolution, no less. And even though the emulation on the virtual console could be a little bit so-so at times, it was, yeah, it was getting to play legitimate games from your couch because, yeah, I, I, I want money to go back to the creators however possible, and I want to play on a couch, and I want to get the games from a place that probably won't infect my computer with a million viruses. The thing that people annoyed people, I think, was that Nintendo released these games in a slow drip feed, rather yeah, than just yeah. dumping them wholesale right out of the bat, right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah, and especially towards the end or even the middle of the Wii U, uh, sorry, the Wii's life, the trickle really seemed to slow. Oh yeah, I mean, when the Wii first came out, it was something like a 
three games a three games a week. Yeah, which isn't bad. Like I think that's sustainable. That was a uh, very sustainable. And then after a while, it became like a game a week, With and then yeah. and it became extremely inconsistent as to when that game would come out. <laughs> yeah. 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 But still, I had a lot of virtual console games on oh, so did my I. Wii, and I finally beat a lot of games because of the virtual console. Like yes, same with the same Ninja with Gaiden and everything. I remember living in Japan and going to my friends' houses, and we pl- we had a Super Mario Brothers slash Street Fighter Two party. And so <laughs> that was the first time we had been able to play those games in ages and ages, and it was extremely it was a novel thing to be able to play these old NES games again. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to think about that now, when it's like, what, how long, but you think about it, it's like, okay, how long was it since I played Super Mario Brothers, like, until I got it on the on the Wii Virtual Console? It must have been years. Well, at this point, I've bought Super Mario World on the SNES, the GBA, the Wii, the Wii U, the SNES Classic, the 3DS, that's at least six times. I mm-hmm. bought it, and I bought it on every one of those consoles. Yeah, so it's not exactly sparse right about now. Yeah, did I say that I bought it on a Switch? It's not on Switch. Because it has SNES games, which is dumb. Not yet. Soon. I actually don't object completely to the way that the Switch is handling the the Nintendo Switch Online thing. Because it's fun to be able to just... Every week it seems like three or four new games show up. And I'm like, ah, oh, hey, look at these games. Yeah. It's like one interesting game and then three kind of weirdo games. <laughs> I like the term weirdo games. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's fine. I, I like the the distribution method actually because I was uh, something I said to Agnello when he was on the show and we were talking about the uh, Nintendo Switch Online. Is I am tired of paying for Super Mario Brothers three, and I love it, and I want to I want to keep on playing it. But so I like the idea of just having it there, and I can turn it on on my Switch, play a little bit, and then turn it off and not think about it again for another few weeks. Yeah, I think what people objected to is the fact that after buying these games on the virtual console, you could bring them over to the Wii U, but mm-hmm. often you had to re-download. Otherwise, if you bought them just straight up on the Wii U download shell, you had to pay extra. You still had to pay some money to do that, even though it was a reduced price. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I seem to remember having to go into like like Wii mode or something to even to play some of those games like i don't remember exactly how it worked you had to go into the wii emulation shell that's right that only works with the virtual console controllers (laughs) it's very annoying actually or it wasn't the best the wii controllers yeah they didn't handle that the best way and the wii u uh virtual console shop of course was like just pathetic compared to the wii well super pathetic and also the though it had gba games that's true it did have gba games and i did like to play area of sorrow again that's a great game and it also, but unfortunately, the Super Nintendo games and the Nintendo games uh, had inferior emulation compared to the Wii version. It was much oh, darker, much darker. Yeah, so you yeah, wanted to play yeah. it on the Wii. The Wii had better emulation, and then of course the 3DS came out, and again, eventually it got Super Nintendo games, but it was kind of inferior compared to the Wii. The the Wii was definitely the king of yeah, the yeah. virtual collection console collection remember at the point where digital distribution is uh common enough that people are like why the f do we not have access to every game that nintendo has ever made to this point yeah and i mean if they keep on releasing uh games on nintendo switch online at a good rate and they get to to the snes games and they get serious about getting third parties on there uh yeah i'll be fine with that i think nintendo does this intentionally because they like scarcity Oh, God, they've always loved scarcity. Is yeah, they, they like the fact that these Nintendo games are still somewhat hard to get, and they're not just going to dump them wholesale onto a online service because they want them to seem kind of valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like Earthbound. People wanted Earthbound for ages, right? Now you get Earthbound, damn it. So like people talked about wanting Earthbound for years before finally getting it on the Wii U. Yeah, and... uh it's kind of like that ironic punishment room in uh, The Simpsons. Oh, so you want Earthbound, eh? I'll have all the Earthbound on all the consoles. Oh, I'm not going to complain. I wish I'm it were not. on. I wish it were on the Switch. <laughs> I would play it on the Switch, but you know, I don't. But forget where's over... Mother Three? <laughs> now that is the question. I am wondering about that. It's never coming. I, I keep the faith. 
All right, Nadia. So the reason I bring this up wasn't just to talk about old virtual console games on Mario. This is an RPG podcast, after all. And Sometimes. So we wanted to talk about the RPGs that we lost, uh, and we wanted to talk about where you could get them elsewhere, and and also we wanted a bit of do to the ones that we actually did lost lose, which mm-hmm. really stinks. All right. So the games that are elsewhere. All right. Uh, Breath of Fire Two. Uh, what what is Breath of Fire? Is Breath of Fire Two good? Do you like Breath of Fire Two? Uh, Breath of Fire Two is one of those games that I absolutely just like sh- shook my world when I was you know a teenager because this was the first game I played where like it delivered the whole you can kill God narrative, and when you just coming off of Nintendo you know censored nineties fare, uh, it was kind of a it was kind of a blow, uh, and I actually still hold a lot of affection for Breath of Fire 2, even though I know parts of it, yeah, e.g. the terrible encounter rate, are terrible. But I, I, it's one of those games where I would so, I would just adore the story and the characters if the translation weren't absolute garbage. The translation is just a disaster area. But I would, uh, I would, uh, I would play it again easily. <laughs> well, I have good news for you, Nadia. It's on the 3DS eShop. Yeah, I've been debating if I should pick it up or not, but uh, yeah. It's a 3DS, though. Come on. I know, but I, I did buy it on the Actually, the that... 3DS is fine. The 3DS isn't that bad. It's not a bad place It's okay. To play it's, it'll do in a pinch. It'll but uh, do I did pick it up on... in a pinch. Exactly. I did pick it up on the Wii, and I finished it on the Wii, so I just feel like, okay. It had, it had one of the saddest endings I ever, I ever saw in an RPG, though. I won't give it away. It has two endings. One's a good ending, then it's a, a sad ending, and the sad ending is the one I got. Aw. Uh, so yeah, you can find that on the 3DS eShop, to my surprise. Uh, the next game that you can find elsewhere that is gone from the Wii, uh, the Wii Virtual Console, Mario RPG. And we've talked about that at some length here on the podcast. You can find that on the SNES Classic. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was an, a NES Classic story for you really quickly, Nadia. Uh, mm-hmm. My friend was flying down to Atlanta. He he got into playing Final Fantasy on the NES Classic. Oh boy! He was flying down to Atlanta, and he was like, "All right, I'm going to play some Final Fantasy on my way to Atlanta on my Switch." Pause. The Switch is not the NES Classic. It doesn't have <laughs> Final Fantasy on it. Gosh darn it! I understand how it's easy to get confused, though. I had a moment where I was traveling. I think I was in the UK or something. Yeah. And I was getting, I got on the plane, I'm flying home, and I'm like, all right, time to play some uh, Gradius on the way home. You have not accessed the Switch, uh, s- online Switch in seven days, and therefore you don't have access to this library. What? Oh, that's right. <laughs> you have to access it every, like, seven days. Yes, you do. I forgot about that. I haven't done that. Oh, shit. I should do that. Uh, so remember to do that when you're on vacation, kids. Yes. So here's a here's one for you, Secret of Mana. So mm-hmm. the SNES version can be found on the SNES Classic, and it was on yes. the Virtual Console as well. Uh, yes. Now correct me if I'm wrong. The Virtual Console was the only real way to be able to play with three people. Uh, I believe so. Yes, because you're obviously not going to do it on the uh, SNES Classic. Maybe well, I mean you could do it on the PlayStation Four version of the game. Could oh right, but that's the that's a bad remake. It's not bad. I I enjoyed it for what it was. The mediocre remake. Okay, mediocre sounds good. Wasn't it buggy and had horrible graphics? I I did not hate the graphics nearly as much as you did, but yes, it was buggy as hell. Yeah, it's a it's a really mediocre remake. I'm sorry. It, uh, and the fact that they didn't even bother to, I'm sure they didn't have much of a budget. But if you're gonna remake a game like that, at least can you please do right by it? <laughs> Like, at yeah, least expand yeah. on some of the stuff that never really got finished in the previous game. Remake it. Don't just kind of give it a really bad graphical filter. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, they could have done better by it, but I totally agree with that. Uh, it's on iOS, right? It is, and you know what? That iOS port is pretty good. I would love to see that version taken over to the Switch. All things it's, considered, uh, though, you should be playing Secret of Mana on the SNES Classic, I think. Yeah, it's really a hell of a thing because uh, one thing about the iOS version of the game is that it does have a much better translation. And uh, the, the SNES uh, translation, not only is it not good, but the text I find is very hard to read against this weird gradient like background they have going on. 
Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Fantasy Star 1, 2, 3, and 4 is on... Well, they're all on the Nintendo Switch, so you're 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 set there. Sega Genesis. Yeah, you really are. Sega Genesis uh, Classics Collection. You've been playing Fantasy Star. Did you move on to Fantasy Star 2? No, I moved on to... I First of all, M2's uh, remake of Fantasy Star was, is fantastic, so that's worth picking up if you have a, a real itch for, for uh, Fantasy Star. I've been, I kind of moved on to Fantasy Star 4, which I'm still playing on the Switch, because, yeah, I have the Sega Genesis cl- uh, Classics Collection. And, uh, yeah, that's perfectly easy to buy online. Buy it, download it. You have Fantasy Star and then some. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of 2. Uh, 3 is a weird game. I want to give it more of a chance, but uh, 4 is definitely excellent. Yeah, Fantasy Star 4 was on our top 25 RPG list. Mm-hmm, it was. Now, I have the Sega Genesis Classics Collection, and occasionally I load it up, but I'm always a little bit thrown by the over-the-top graphical filters, <laughs> which it wants to be kind of like the SNES Classic and everything, but uh, I don't know. Uh, it's almost a bit much going into the little living room and plugging in the game and everything. There, yeah. there are a lot of different steps. There are quite a few steps. You're right about that. Although I, I do kind of, when I look at that bedroom, I'm like, oh, that's the bedroom I wanted when I was like, you know, like 15. They I would have killed for that bedroom. They were really, they were having a lot of fun with it, weren't they? They were. They did. They had very much fun. Like, I like how, you, I like the posters on the wall. I like how uh, when you boot up the, the game at night, you can hear like crickets in the background and it's just a it's a neat little menu. I understand why some people don't like it and why they find it cumbersome, but I I think it's kind of neat. I think it's cute. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting one and probably a controversial one. Uh, Final Fantasy IV. Uh, I think there are <laughs> yes. better versions than this of this <laughs> anyway. Elsewhere, there are there are so many better versions out there. Again, I think the PS. Well, it's getting to be difficult. The PSP version. Um, what is it? The app, the Claxus complete collection, is by far the best version. But it's getting uh, it's on the PSP. It's hard to find, and uh, also the versions that are easy to get, like uh, the Steam version. That's the Final Fantasy IV remake. That's 3D. That's totally that's definitely a different game. But uh, I want to see Final Fantasy II as we know it on the SNES preserved because it really is absolutely one of a kind, and you won't get that in any of the any complete collection or on Steam or anywhere. Yeah, I heard that it was a kind of a fake rumor that it was based on Easy Type, that it was dispelled or something to that effect. Yeah, it wasn't Easy Type. There was, of course, Easy Type in Japan, but no, this uh, it was made easier, but it's not Easy Type. Like, uh, for example, the best example is um, how usually in Final Fantasy you have different remedies for different status ailments, and Final Fantasy II can solid all of those remedies all of those remedies into just one quote-unquote heal item so you wouldn't have to bother with like maiden's kiss or or gold needle or whatever else you need to usually use to like uh to fix yourself after you've been screwed up uh unfortunately the really good versions of final fantasy 4 are becoming slightly harder to find because yeah that, that is a problem like advance is a good version too but again that's hard to find and you won't find you can't download it anywhere yeah, you have to really go out of your way now because I would say that fewer people have Vitas these days, to say yeah, the least. Yeah, and even fewer than than them have a PSP or yeah PSP, and then yeah. it's the same with a GBA. I have a GBA. I have a couple GBAs in my in my in my drawer, but uh, and, and I think a cup, but I don't have a copy of FF4 Advance because I beat that a long time ago. I think I loaned mine to someone and. Uh... Yeah, R.I.P. The Steam version is based on the DS version, which isn't a bad version to play. No, it absolutely is fine, but it is definitely meant for for people like myself who are stupid obsessed with the first game and know like how to who who kind of expect to be challenged. So I wouldn't recommend it to a first timer. Someone says to me, "Hey, Nadia, which version of Final Fantasy IV should I should I play?" I'm going to say, "Play Classes Collection. Sorry, Complete Collection." And then, if you like it, if you like Final Fantasy IV, by all means, get the 3D version, because that is much harder, and there are different mechanics to use, and bosses have different patterns that are meant specifically to challenge you. So it's it's just weird to me that Square Enix is fine with giving us that version on Steam, and God knows they want us to, to eat the after years until we die, but they won't give us 
that really good PSP version, the 2D version, with the really nice upgraded sprites on Steam or Switch or anywhere. So, uh, Chrono Trigger, that's another controversial one. Mm, that really is, yes. It's on um, iOS, Steam, Nintendo DS, and the Steam version is still pretty buggy from what it sounds like. They did uh, do some fixes, which I'm glad for, because God, what they had originally was just, but it was like inexcusably bad, where they just literally took the mobile version of the game and put it on Steam and did not make any changes whatsoever. So they fixed a lot of what was wrong with it, but it's still not perfect by a long shot. No, definitely not. Uh, and then the Nintendo DS version has a totally different translation. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. The uh, the version that was on the Virtual Console, yeah, that would have been the original SNES translation. Which I mean, both are yeah. fine, but still, that's uh, that's a change. Different. I think some people find the the Snooper Nintendo version to be charming in the way that uh, with its translation. I think the main reason to play Chrono Trigger on the SNES Virtual Console is so that you can have it on your TV. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's really nice graphics. They deserve to kind of be large and in charge. Yeah, exactly. And it's not on the it's not on the SNES Classic, which is a total bummer. No, that was it's on my SNES Classic because I I, I hacked mine. <laughs> yeah, but you know, unhacked versions of the game of, of the the system, you you will not find it there. And I personally prefer. I still love uh, the way uh, Frog was localized. Uh, the first time around versus you know, the second time around. If you want to talk controversial, there it is. So why did you prefer the original translation? Uh, I didn't prefer all of it, but I did like that. Uh, I just liked the frog they had going on with the mm. uh, the medieval speech. I thought that was like a really, I thought that was really charming and really cute. And I know he wasn't like that originally in Japanese script, but just one of those little localization quirks that I think improved the game a little bit. Very Dragon Quest Five. Yeah, <laughs> not quite that bad, but yes. I don't know. I think it was that bad, actually. <laughs> All right, let's just go through the rest of these really quickly. So, have you ever heard of Double Dungeons? It's a very bad TurboGrafx RPG. No, it sounds like Double Dragon, which I like. Well, it's actually a two-player split-screen co-op, but you don't fight yourselves, uh, fight each other for the girl at the end. Oh, that. Uh, why am I interested? I don't know. Well, it's on the Wii U eShop, so you should go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ogre Battle 64, we'll talk about a little bit about that in a bit. That's for the Wii U eShop, Final Fantasy IV, mm-hmm. The After Years. You actually like that one, right? Uh, I like it for what it is, and that's all I'll say in my defense. But you can get that quite easily um, on mobile, on um, Steam. And actually, unlike the version of Final Fantasy IV, the version that you get of The After Years is pretty much the same game, just in 3D graphics for some reason. Weird. I wouldn't play it, though. Just just ignore <laughs> it. It never happened. We don't talk about After Years, except for I. I do. Sword of Vermilion's an interesting case. Uh, it was designed by Yu Suzuki of Shenmue fame. Uh, and he also has a great soundtrack. It was part of the Nintendon't campaign. Uh, it's a knight facing down a giant 16-bit dragon. It looked really cool. By all accounts, mm. not a good game. Yeah, I never played it, but uh, I always did love those ad, those ad campaigns, even though I was like kind of a Nintendo kid. It's just how they would make it, how they frame everything to make it look so cool, even if it wasn't that cool. It's on one of the zillion Sega Genesis collections, but not the one that's been released on the Switch. It's uh, for the PSP and the PS2, so you're not, unfortunately not going to easily be able to play this one. Nah. But by all accounts, you're not missing much? <laughs> it sure sounds like that, and it's not like there aren't better action RPGs you could be playing, I suppose. There are a whole bunch of Wonder Boys. Uh, I'm not that big a fan of Wonder Boy. I don't really care about them. You seem to like them okay, though. Uh, I, I really like uh, Monster Boy, even though I found the the uh, volcano level kind of infuriating. But uh, Wonder uh, Monster Boy is good. I haven't played Wonder Boy 3's remake, but I hear that's also fantastic. But uh, I, I, it has a fun little transformation aspect. I, I kind of like games where you transform. Uh, Shining Force 1 and 2, uh, you can find that on Steam, the GBA, and the Sega Genesis Classics Collection. Uh, you probably want to play the Sega Genesis Classics Collection version. Uh, kind of oddly an underrated game, even though it has, a, I think, a fairly substantial fan base. But I think that's... I bet if Shining Force had been a Super Nintendo uh, game instead of a Sega Genesis RPG, it would be getting a lot more love. Yeah, I wonder about that, because I, I did try out... Um 
Shiny Force when I when you know when Emulation was the new hotness, but uh, I never really got into it. So uh, I would like to give it another try sometime. I should really just kind of boot it up on my my Sega Classics collection on my Switch. Uh, let's dig out an old. Throw it on the pile, Nadia. <laughs> it's on the pile. It's uh, it's there. Uh, Ease book one and two. It feels like this one is on everything. <laughs> I, I don't have anything else. Most people seem to agree that Chronicles is the best version to play. So Yeah, um, I would say, even though it's a shame we're losing, you know, Ease 1 and 2, there are so many remakes of the Ease games, and most of them are a lot better than the, than the originals, that you just may as well go back and play some of those. I I don't think many people really have that easy of an access to the Wii Virtual Console anymore. So, on the one mm-hmm. hand, it's like, it's not like it's like, oh... We had all these games in one place, and now like we have to go to all these different places to find better access to them. Uh, it's, the Wii Virtual Console is still a little bit hard to access, but at the same time, uh, it is kind of annoying to lose sort of easy access to Final Fantasy IV, mm-hmm. um, especially that one. I, I think that's the one that stands out the most. Yeah, um, that's definitely one of the ones I'm sad to see go. And again, this is another case where we're just... The, the companies who should be at the forefront of game preservation are just like, whoop, we don't care anymore. And it's very depressing. Uh, Chrono Trigger arguably has a superior version on the DS, but if you're mm-hmm. really into it, uh, not having easy access to the original SNES version is also a total bummer. It is, yeah, especially since, let's face it, the DS isn't getting hard, easier to find, and neither is Chrono Trigger for the DS. Uh, in the case of the SNES Classic, the games that actually made onto the SNES Classic, the SNES Classic's actually relatively easy to find now. Oh yeah, SNES Classic is it's still out there. I don't. I think at some point um, it's going to be harder to find because I think they stopped making them or producing them. So once they sell through the current stock, that's probably it. I saw a pile of them over at Target not too long ago. So yeah, the, so they're around. I mean, I'm not. I, I wouldn't dawdle too hard, but um, don't you know like homer oh no you don't the trampoline is mine where he'd mow someone down to get a trampoline from the back <laughs> <laughs> all right now let's talk do about that. the rpgs that we lost so i threw this one in there just because it was kind of funny and it was from the the wii shop itself we wear we wear did not mm. have a lot of good games it had some interesting <laughs> ones like it had some interesting ones like uh, there was a contra rebirth and a gradius rebirth for example uh which i kind of miss the- too uh, Castlevania as well, I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, My Life as a Dark Lord. Do you remember this game? Uh, I, I've i heard the soundtrack for it, and it's a nice soundtrack, but that's all I really can tell you about it. Yes, this is when Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles was being turned into a whole bunch of different things, because Square yeah. Enix wasn't really sure what to do. And this was the tower defense game. Yeah, and it would have been uh, around the time when tower defense games were like the hottest thing on mobile. Or becoming a hot thing. Sorry, on mobile, on on PC, and then mobile. But yeah, yeah. You know the the my life as a dark lord sounds like an NAS game. Uh, here's one that's maybe a little more consequential. Uh, Faxanadu. Yeah, that's um that's a, a sad one to lose because that was a that's a very interesting different sort of NES game. That's uh it's one of my husband's favorites actually. Yeah, and it has deep roots in kind of RPG history because so it was a spin-off of Xanadu, which itself yes. was, I think, the second game in the Dragon Slayer series, which was by uh, Falcom for the mm-hmm. for the old PC, uh, various PC versions back in Japan. And uh, Fax Xanadu, when it came out here, it was kind of like Zelda 2, but not really. Did you ever end up playing Fax Xanadu? I did. I did. I did. Didn't play like too much of it, but I did give it a good try, and um, I I enjoyed it for what it was. It's uh it's interesting though how Falcom has had this whole interconnected sort of world, and maybe we haven't realized it until recently. Yeah, uh, well, I, well, these days we know it primarily as uh, ease and that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if you if you look at Faxanadu, uh, I, I think that just the fact that it's really rare these days is the main. Mm-hmm thing you're just not going to be able to find it on basically anything so losing what was by all accounts a pretty good nes game is kind of a it's a disappointment i would say yeah it is yeah uh i do remember not too long ago over on reddit seeing somebody say that their parents were going to throw out a box full of retro games and things Uh uh-huh and they showed it and it had it had a super nintendo and a commodore 64 
and a Nintendo, and then games like Faxanadu and things. Wow. And it's like, wow, wow, that's actually a really good collection in there. And that is usually, yeah. Usually when you hear about like, oh, well, I have this, this box full of games, it must be worth a million dollars. You're looking at it and it's like a million sports games. <laughs> well, in fairness, uh, they had like the NHL 93, 94, 95, 2002. So they did actually have a lot of sports games. But at the same time, they also had a lot of great NES and Sega Genesis games. And they said this almost became a find on Reddit. Yeah, very much. Because my mom was about to sell this for like 10 bucks. Another game we're losing, Nadia. Brace yourself. Mm-hmm. Prepare to mourn. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. I'm actually very... I am disappointed in that. Why? Because, again, it, like Final Fantasy Four, it's just... Uh, sorry, Final Fantasy Two, is just not something you're going to find anywhere. And... Yeah, even though it was not a great game, it had good intentions, and you know, and Road to Hell and all that, but I still think it deserves credit for that. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest was a mistake. <laughs> it didn't need to exist. The only reason that it should exist is for the music, and you can download the That's music true. anyway. It had some interesting graphics, though. I, I think it's interesting how uh, it uses the sort of face-on graphics uh that you get with like sort of dragon quest versus the side-on graphics and i to this day i wonder why they did that i guess just to have the bigger sprites for americans because they like everything bigger yeah that's probably why (laughs) (laughs) apparently so i was doing a little research on this i i totally forgot that this had happened somebody apparently made an unauthorized remaster an rpg maker and was trying to sell it and it was they were even taking (laughs) pre-orders claiming that square enix had sanctioned it and Square Enix said, uh, no, actually, it wasn't sanctioned. And then they went, yoik, and ran off with all the money. <laughs> they threw a smoke bomb and ran? Yeah, it was a total scam. I remember that. I think he he might have even pegged it for mobile, because I was writing about mobile games at the time, and that was, like, big news for half a day until people realized, okay, there's no way this is happening officially. And someone reached out to Square Enix before long, and they were like, uh, No. And yeah. then what's great, though, is the guy who did the, who was doing the remake said, uh, yeah, they totally gave me their permission, but he couldn't keep up the farce for long. Eventually, he took off. Well, I mean, if Square Enix says no, obviously, <laughs> it, he didn't give permission. He, he gave it a good try. He, he tried to keep it up. Tried to keep it up for as long as he could with, uh, with all the money. But, yeah, no, a whole bunch of sites reported on that. We did not report on that, because I don't think we were covering news we, at the I time. don't think we existed back then, but... Um, no, we did. We did exist. Oh, okay. I was working here. We definitely existed. <laughs> okay, well, good job then. Because, yeah, if you get uh, news about something like that, and it's because I remember when I was reporting on it, I looked on Square Enix's site for or Twitter or anything for an official word, and there's nothing there. I'm like, okay, that's fishy as hell. Yeah, it was pretty fishy. And, and maybe this is the one that hurts the most, Nadia. Ogre Battle, March of the Black Queen. That does hurt. That does so, hurt very much. It's still available on the Japanese Wii U and the Japanese 3DS eShop. But as for finding it anywhere mm. else, nope. And Yeah. Yeah, um so Ogre Battle March of the Black Queen was always more of a strategy game than what you would call a classical RPG. I mean, you you couldn't even really control the battles as they were happening. So it reminds mm-hmm. me of a a grand strategy game in that sense. Uh Right. Puts way more en- way more emphasis on that kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, losing that aspect of it was, uh, it was a letdown, I would think. Yeah, um, and we've talked about Tactics Ogre. Uh, of course, it was one of our top 25 RPGs. But mm. to see where it all started and to lose that, uh, that's, that's, again, uh, talking about game preservation. That's a big blow. Yeah, and it was extremely rare to begin with. Because yes. that's why it was a big deal when it finally made it over to the uh, the the Wii Shop uh, virtual consoles. So so for it to just straight up go away is a, a tremendous letdown. Uh, that said, Tactics Ogre is still better. That's still one I need to play, and I would like to very much play it. Well, it has a better while. story, and I mm-hmm. like the more traditional kind of tactical map with. Uh, with the characters, uh, if I recall correctly, Ogre Battle and Ogre Battle 64 have more of a real-time element to it, and I prefer the they turn-based do. aspect of um, 
of Tactics Ogre, so... Yeah, I actually found that's one reason why when I did play Ogre Battle, I found it kind of um, intimidating because I'm not really into real-time strategy, so I much prefer uh, turn-based. The good news is that Ogre Battle 64, Person of Lordly Caliber, is still available on the Wii U eShop for some reason. Saying I never played it because uh, I was so intimidated by the original Ogre Battle that I realized, well, this one's probably just going to you know, jump right out of the screen and kill me. It did. <laughs> it killed many children. Yeah, so you're, you're lucky you never picked it up because it was going to totally jump out of the screen and kill you, Nadia. I was actually, I did a review of Wargroove earlier this week. And one of the reasons oh, yeah. we're not talking about Wargroove is that it's basically Advanced Wars, and Advanced Wars isn't an RPG. It's a straight up, it's a straight up tactics game uh, where you're directing little units around the board and everything. But I, mm-hmm. before I played Advanced Wars, I was also afraid of tactics games. Those grids, oh. the grids were very intimidating. I like the grids, they're comforting. All those numbers and uh, taking turns. But now now I would say tactics is one of my favorite kind of genres. Anyway, go check out my Wargroove review. But yeah, uh, Ogre Battle 64 is an interesting case because you didn't see a lot of those kinds of games on the N- Nintendo 64. You sure as hell didn't. You saw yeah. Quest 64. Yeah, you're obsessed Ooh. with Quest 64, a game that is not good. <laughs> I'm not obsessed with it. I never even played it. It's just like, I don't know. I guess I kind of hung on to it for a while thinking like, okay, well, we're not going to have Square Enix on the N64. So I'll wait for Quest 64. And thankfully, I I went ahead. I caved and bought a PlayStation before that happened. All right. Well, farewell to Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, Ogre Battle, and Faxanadu. Thankfully, they're all still around somewhere on their original consoles, if you're willing to go look for them. I guess also Final Fantasy. But Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, My Life is Dark Lord. It is gone. It is gone forever. And and nothing of value was lost. (laughs) Okay, that's not true at all. (laughs) Somebody worked very hard on that game. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So uh, do you have an RPG or game that you miss? from the Wii eShop, or the Wii Virtual Console, I guess. Uh, let me know. Or did you save them on your own? I have the Wii shell on my Wii U, and I am never getting rid of my Wii U. So uh, I will be able to keep those games for a little longer. <laughs> okay, Nadia, as always, we read the comments from the previous episode, and last week we did a Kingdom Hearts 3 review and wondered about Anthem's fatal flaw, but also... We've been talking on and off about Tales, Trails of Cold Steel and versus Tales of Vesperia and which one you should be playing. And we've managed to stretch this out for like three weeks at this point. People are still talking about it. Uh, and forgive me, I, I think this is Kaito Lupa says, As a huge fan of both Tales and Trails, I want to tell Nadia to play Cold Steel because it's a better game. It's a good entry point to the mm-hmm. Trails series and world, but it's also a dense game that takes its time sending you in. Vesperia has a couple good characters and a very good dog. The story is an aimless mess of tales, tropes, and bad excuses to force a party of characters who should go their separate ways to stay together. The battle system, which was a good thing about it when it first came out, didn't hold up for me in the chunk of the remaster I played before deciding I still don't like the game. Instead, Vesperia is an easier sell, as it's a more approachable game that requires less of your attention. Oh, and one of them is on the Switch. He didn't. They did not say that. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Trails isn't on Switch, is it? No, it is not. You would have to get it on mm-hmm. PS4. I might. Nice Sky Neon says, despite having zero experience with Kingdom Hearts and understanding almost zero of what was discussed by you three ladies these past two weeks, I feel like I would probably play Kingdom Hearts 3 now. I'll hold out on a PC port for now, but even if it's just a bunch of nonsense, it does look like candy-coated fun nonsense. Also talk Vesperia. Lean into the decades o- decade-old nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't help the, the count at all. Satellite of Love says Cold Steel 4 just came out in Japan. Cold Steel 1 and 2 come out soonish here on PS4. Cold Steel Steel 3 comes out this fall here on PS4. Uh, Cold Steel 4 later here. Nye assuredly. Zero and Azure. Shrug. Start with the Sky (laughs) Trilogy. So you should probably go with Vesperia if you don't want the long-term commitment of the library of cozy books that is Trails. So I think what Satellite of Love was trying to say is you should start with the Trails... Uh, in the Sky Trilogy, which is an extremely old-school types of RPGs that you can play on Steam and elsewhere. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also extremely dense and take a long time to beat. So the, you would yeah, be at it for good. a while. So maybe a trail, Tales of Vesperia is less of a super commitment. Yeah, and I think that's important as well. Um, I mean, I love my 100-hour games, don't get me wrong, but uh, they are 100 hours. Uh, Max Bebo says, This might be a psychology one-on-one take, but there's definitely a correlation between difficulty in a game and how friendly the community is. The game is generally pretty hard and or obtuse. People tend to be pretty friendly as they cooperate to overcome it. But if the game is stupid easy, then the players have to create their own fun, usually by griefing others. I imagine the amount of <laughs> PvP in Souls games is a bell curve versus time, where no one PvPs at release because everyone is co-oping like crazy to get through the game. Then, when they figure out what the optimal strategies and gear are, people start being more adventurous and touting their mastery of the game over others. Eventually, they get bored and leave. And it goes back to being a friendly community of people who just enjoy the basic gameplay, lore hunts, bought the game later, etc. Anthem has no PvP, so they will probably need to tweak the difficulty to be just a little bit harder than the normal in order for it to be a challenge worth overcoming and worth helping others to overcome. Otherwise, the community will get bored very quickly and become toxic for a while. Uh, I think the fact that it has super high difficulty levels uh, for some of the raids might help. Uh, yeah, I could. Uh, I, I definitely see um, how having uh, why having a, a kind of a more uh difficult game would have a more dedicated community that's just kind of the way it has to go i'm thinking my brother who uh is probably an angel of death who discourages all 12 year olds from hanging around cod for too long because he just kind of goes around sniping them i don't understand how people are good at those games <laughs> he's he's always been that way he's like when we used to be kids and we go to play laser tag he'd find a place to snipe everyone he'd be up god knows where in some tower that we didn't know existed sniping everyone and he at my like niece's birthday party for seven-year-olds like we went to a laser tag place and his name was like at the top and he had like triple the score of all the other seven-year-olds <laughs> and he was like this is my proudest day this this is a big day for me reminds me of halo i was i've always been horrible at halo just really he really bad halo. of course course yeah he was great at halo he loved it and then he's like you know i say how do you like the story the story what are you talking about you don't play the campaign hell no i get sniped and i, I would i was the person getting sniped in halo uh katambra <laughs> says on the subject of dynasty warriors i've only played three of the branded ones but while i found dragon quest warriors pretty dull i really enjoyed both hyrule warriors and fire emblem warriors sure the story is your regular fan service nonsense and the combat doesn't really require much more than mindless button mashing there's also a light strategic element to the gameplay that gives it enough challenge to make it engaging it's what keeps these games enjoyable for me while most games with mindless combat and loot managing like diablo and it's ilk mostly end up boring me no matter how much i try to enjoy them on a different note i think that nadia's reaction to it's not romances sum up pretty much neatly my own reaction to anthem in general but it was interesting listening to your impression on the game anyway yeah, I was kind of trashing Dynasty Warriors, and a few people took exception to that. Yeah, well, we knew that was going to happen. I mean, we we were sitting there standing for it, and you were like, no, it all sucks. But no, it's just, there's a, I'm not the biggest fan of Dynasty Warriors, but I do appreciate uh, Hyrule Warriors, even though I can't stand the original characters for that one. I still think that Dynasty Warriors is kind of crap, and I would never play another one. <laughs> you played it once, you're done. It's over. No, I've I've given it a fair shake. I, I've played a lot of different Warriors games, and they're all the same, pretty much. Yeah, there are yeah. variations, but they all boil down to hitting the dang button over and over again, extremely mindlessly, and getting lots of fan service. If I want lots of fan service in my games, I'm just going to play Super Robot Wars, a game that's much better. <laughs> oh, now we got a now we got a standoff between uh, Super Robot Wars and Dynasty Warriors. Well, I'm sure Dynasty Warriors fans would be like, "What? I, why can't I like both? And it's like, you can. You can like both, but one is bad. And that The other one is <laughs> Dynasty Warriors. You can like both, but one is bad. Cat Bailey, that's a box quote. Kerosene Blast says, Disappointed that Kingdom Hearts 3 won't have any Final Fantasy characters. There were some of my favorite characters, parts of the f- previous games, but considering the Square Enix now has Dissidia, World of Final Fantasy, Record Keeper, XVS, and Mobius, it seems they've really taken the Final Fantasy cameos into their own hands. Uh, there are too many friggin' Final Fantasy mobile games. I just play Fire Emblem Heroes instead. Yeah, yeah, that's a, there's a crossover game for you, but yeah, they're absolutely right now that I think about it. The, um, I like Feh. I think this, Feh, 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 Feh. Um, Dissidia, I find, is a very fun game, particularly Dissidia 2. The interaction between the characters is, um, it's still kind of a little bit full of itself because, let's face it, it's, it's a square in this game, but I still, I'll never get over, like, Laguna telling, uh, Squall, his own son, to, like, lighten the hell up, 
and yeah, they had no idea they were related. That was, that's what made it so great because Laguna's like this bouncy, cheerful guy, like telling him like, "Oh, everything's great. Life is amazing." And Squelch is like, "Ah, oh, shut up! I don't like you. I don't know who you are. I don't like you." And Ryder Kicker says, "Wow, no Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts three. I wonder if the lack of it would make the rights issue less complicated, especially with the way Disney keeps getting bigger. It's easier to jettison." Sora and company while keeping Cloud, Tifa, or Kane. And is the blood god, god gender fluid? I want to make sure. <laughs> yes, sure. Let's go with that. Blood god is gender fluid. Blood god is definitely gender fluid. Blood god is whatever the blood god feels like being on a particular day or a particular time. Acts of the Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore Kyle Nadia at Nadia Oxford. And, of course, all of our social media channels at U.S. GamerNet. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, guess what? We got a newsletter and we send it out each week. It is a special little op-ed along with the biggest RPG news for the week as well as the latest podcast. So subscribe to that and get that into your inbox. I think the last one I did a letter for was about... Oh, I was wondering how much uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 still matters to Square Enix. Well, that was done. I guess uh, it doesn't. Oh, I think it's, I don't know, actually, because I think the point I was kind of making was that Kingdom Hearts 3 has changed a lot since, Mm -hmm. uh, it's changed a ridiculous amount since uh, Kingdom Hearts 1 first came out. I mean, when Kingdom Hearts 1 came out at the very tail end of Square Enix's golden age, uh, Square Enix was still a brand new entity at that time. Uh, it was just coming off the the big flop that was uh, Final Fantasy Spirits Within. And fast forward Oof. to 2019, they're putting out games like freaking Shadow of the Tomb Raider, right? I mean, <laughs> and Disney yeah. itself has changed as well. And I'm, I'm willing to guess that uh, certainly Kingdom Hearts is not going to be the biggest Square Enix moneymaker. That would probably be like Final Fantasy XIV or one of its mobile games. So, But it's kind of a prestige thing. Yeah, definitely. And everything I'm hearing about the end of Kingdom Hearts is suggesting that there's definitely going to be another one. Of course there is. But I wouldn't be surprised if we don't play that game until 2030. <laughs> yeah, I'm not exactly uh, staking any sort of... Um, I'm not planning a launch party, put it that way. I look forward to playing it on 2030 through my TV with my <laughs> virtual reality goggles where I get to be Sora. I look forward to playing it at the old folks' home. All Are right. you kidding? Watch this. Anyway, definitely subscribe to the newsletter, and we'll be back next week. Well, the Top 25 RPG Countdown is coming back. We've had a bunch of guests fall through, but we're, we're going to make it happen one way or another next time, even if it's just me and Nadia talking about it. It's a promise. But, okay. Until then, I've been Cat Bailey, and for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring. Happy adventuring.